Okay, cool. So as we get started here today, talking Kipo Season 2, if you could both uh, just briefly introduce yourselves and your, your part to play with Kipo for our listeners out there. I'm Brad Seacrest, uh, creator and executive producer. I am Bill Wolkoff, executive producer and writer. Thank you both so much. Uh, now that Season 2 is out in the world, how has reception been? It's It seems like it's been pretty good. Uh, it's exciting to see... It's funny because sometimes I'll see a comment like, oh, man, this season's way better than season one. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute, what are you trying to say? <laughs> it's It's been, uh, I mean, yeah, like, you never, I guess, really know, but from what we've, I mean, we've had, like, a collection of reviewers uh, uh, from pretty big outlets that have have embraced it very positively and uh it seems to have struck a a good nerve on twitter so it's it's been i'm 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 very happy uh i mean at the very least people are really engaging with the show which 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 excites me a lot yeah speaking personally uh and for my my podcast partner as well uh season one of keepa was was fantastic it was one of the most you know original colorful, creative, imaginative. I mean, I could keep going on and on and on with superlatives, but definitely one of the like freshest original takes that we'd seen in a while. And we were happy to see that season two continued that trend, but also pushed the story forward. But so you were saying folks out there, you know, enjoyed season two even more than season one, but from your perspective, what were you maybe able to do in season two with expanding the story since you already introduced the world and the characters in season one? We were able to really dig into um, Kipo's inner life, uh, I think, in a more profound way. Um, in season one, uh, she, you know, she just thought she was an ordinary kid, grew up, you know, in this nice home with her dad and, uh, you know, her, her city of people. And, you know, she thought the whole time, I'm just going to get back to them and life is going to go back to normal. But so many things opened up for her. She learned that she herself is far from normal she's in fact extraordinary um and she also the, you know the, the the world of the surface opened up for her uh and and she realized you know wait a minute there's you know this is a place that i've always thought was dangerous my whole life but there's also wonder in here and there's also so much reason to uh not return underground but maybe try to embrace the frightening change that we've seen up here so for us you know and for me it was a chance to really dig into that um and uh also challenge that uh because uh uh you know as much as she sees the wonder on the surface it's really complicated and things get even more messed up so it was really a chance to push all of that further and also you know, broaden, expand the world more, uh, expand uh, what we know about, like how we got where we where we are here. Uh, uh, we get into Kipo's inner life some more, and her, in her past some more, and also show more of the surface that we haven't seen before. So, for all of those reasons, you know that 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 was you know th- those are all the things we wanted. We we had hoped to get the push in season two, and it seems like. We did, and people have picked up on all of those 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 elements. Definitely, yeah. And we, we kind of felt, too, that in season two, you guys dug into social commentary a little bit more. You took kind of a harder line drawn between the, the humans and the mutes in this world and their conflicts with each other. 
And what we loved about it is that Kipo and her group, they kind of represent both worlds. It's a mixture of humans and mutes, either in the same body or, or kind of working together. So right now in these kinds of, you know, kind of difficult social <laughs> times, what do you think Kipo has to say for kids out there who are watching? Kids who maybe look different from others around them or maybe see others around them who look different from them? It's interesting because uh, the climate when we were making it was obviously there were different things happening in the world. There was a lot of rhetoric of building a wall and, you know, of this other from foreigners. And, and uh, like, that really kind of informed our, our thinking at the time. Um, and just seeing, seeing what was going on in the world. Um, which is, it, it, it's, it's obviously changed since then. Um, I know, Bill, do you want to talk a little bit more about that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been the last, you know, these have been challenging times. Uh, and even back when we started making the show, there was so much fear and anger and resentment boiling, you know, under the surface and like about to come out, uh, in our world, uh, and, you know, those are, those are big, scary, you know, things that I think any, you know, for, for a, a young kid, um, uh, you know, when you see that, even if you can't, even if you're not old enough to really, uh, point to it in a sophisticated way, you know, you can tell like when there's fear and anger and resentment for a world that's changing in a way that you don't necessarily understand. Um, and, that, uh, the, the, the world of Rad's webcomic, you know, when I first came to it, uh, felt like a great way to explore that for, for a really young audience. Um, and, uh, you know, use this element of genre as a metaphor for a world that's changing in a way that, that, that can seem scary and in a way that can, that, that can create fear and anger and resentment in both humans. Uh, who are afraid and have gone underground and among the mute characters who, uh, are, you know, uh, just forming societies and, and understandably some have resentment towards humans for the way things used to be. Um, and, uh, we could explore that, you know, in the backdrop of this both fantastic and absurd premise, um, and play with that theme for, play out that theme for, you know, for kids. Like when, when I was, really young there were there were you know fears of nuclear war and i was really i'm a child of the 80s and that really scared me and i wished i had had a piece of entertainment about kids overcoming that um and uh you know uh kipo being this this uh um this kind of this beacon of of relentless uh, positivity um in in the face of forces that would make most people in the world cynical and angry um, and seeing how that uh, force of positivity, re you know, uh, uh, is challenged by the world and also changes the world um, and playing out that, you know, that, that dynamic. I think that's, that's a very, you know, powerful way for kids to, to process this and also have a fun adventure with uh, <laughs> giant mega bunnies and, uh, um, uh, you know, a world where, where uh, animals are big and can talk. <laughs> oh, you said it better than I could. Uh, one of the things we really love about Kipo is how positive it is. And not just, you know, 
it's it's visually kind of just cheerful and hopeful, but then obviously the messages, the characters, just brimming with positivity, and we love that. One of the things that I think is really uh, connected with audience uh, is Benson. So we were wondering, season two, you get to explore Benson's romantic relationships, specifically with with Troy, a little bit more. So we were curious as to the kind of behind-the-scenes conversations about portraying a, a positive gay character, but also a healthy relationship in season two. I mean, one of my favorite things was the the episode where we meet Roberto, who's Troy's dad, mm-hmm. and seeing, uh, like, kind of representing uh, a healthy relationship with a, a gay kid and his father. Right. And 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 also, we're two hundred years in the future, and it, and it was just nice to be like, hey, maybe this is what our future is going to be. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All that, like having relate, you know, healthy relationship, like a healthy relationship with a young gay kid and his dad, and also playing out that relationship in a way that we haven't necessarily seen in, in kids' animations. I mean, that also reflects the, the the a reality that's in both my life and in Rad's life, um, and in you know the people we know and love, and and, and the city that's we, that we know and love, and. Um, uh, it was important for us to get to play that out. We're, you know, I, I've said this before, but uh, I'll, you know, I'll say it again. We're, we're lucky that we got to do the show at a time when we were supported by the studio and the network to be able to, to tell that story. Definitely. And is that a decision that kind of came from the both of you in your discussions, or was that more of a, a, a team focus? I know sometimes people on the creative team may have suggestions or or ideas, or even you know, from a Netflix exec. So where did that all kind of come about? When I sold it, I sold it with a gay character. That was like part of the pitch. And it was cool because the studio was like, you can have a gay character, but the character just has to say the words, I'm gay. Oh, okay. Um, and it was interesting too, because even at the beginning, they weren't necessarily comfortable with any kind of uh, romance. They're like, I don't think kids like romance. And eventually I, I think we decided like well what about like beauty and the beast and uh, you know ariel and little mermaid like did it, kids seem to like that yeah <laughs> i think they're like oh you're right there, there was a little bit of you know we, we had to it was more threading the needle for how to play a romance in a kid show but but the but it would have been the same if it was like if it was a straight romance like yeah um that uh and and you know, there is a little bit of a, of, of, you know, balance you have to strike there, uh, because it is a show meant for, for kids, but romance is very much a part of it. Um, and, you know, I was just gonna say, yeah, Benson was, what, uh, was gay, uh, uh, before I had even come into the, in, in, into the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was one of the reasons why I was excited to get to work on it. Um, and, um, and then, you know, when we brought our, and we were supported by the, by, by, and encouraged by, by the, the studio. And then when we brought our staff in, um, they were also, they also, uh, I think responded to this very positively and were, and, and made everybody really excited to work on the show. Um, and we had a lot of voices, uh, weighing in on, on how to play that romance out. Um, and, uh, so it is, I think the Benson Troy romance is truly, uh, you know, the result of our, our entire crew from, from, you know, us to the writers to the directors and board teams all the way on down taking ownership of, uh, of, of these two characters and getting to, uh, play out that, their relationship. Like, 
there's a moment in, in the, um, it's funny, like somebody freeze framed a moment in, uh, uh, the season two finale, um, when you see Benson and Troy, uh, like walking back from the <laughs> molten gold, like <laughs> coming at them like lava. Right. And they're sweet, and they're sweetly holding hands. Yeah. Um, and I do not recall ever, you know, that, that wasn't in the script. Uh, that wasn't, uh, I don't even know if that was in, I guess maybe it was in the board, but at some it was point. In the, it was in the storyboard on purpose. And, oh, cool. uh, yeah, so, so, board so, and, that, and, and that's what I mean. Like, so then the board art is like, oh, like how would these two visually react in this moment? Of course they'd be holding hands with each other. <laughs> so like every, you know, like that, which is my point, like everybody in the crew really took ownership of it. And, 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 and brought that, brought the relationship to life and in, in ways, you know, that we hadn't necessarily expected. Yeah. Well, well done across the board. We absolutely love that kind of that inclusion and the way that you guys portrayed it. And we're looking forward to seeing where that goes in the future. But speaking of the future in the season two finale, we got to see Kipo, you know, not only kind of take charge and achieve her mega Jaguar form, which was awesome. But there was something beyond that, too. Do you guys have a name for kind of that, you know, phase two, that second tier uh, Mega Jaguar form? <laughs> what were we calling it in the room? Was it Mega Mega Jaguar or was it just <laughs> Jaguar and Mega Jaguar? We were, we were calling it, uh, we did have a name. We had stages. Uh, we knew that the audience would think, oh, that's the Mega Jaguar right. when you see her uh, it, after episode six. But we were calling it Full Jaguar and then... Mega is doesn't really come into play until uh, the climax of the finale. So it was, uh, you know, part partial transformation, then full Jaguar, then Mega Jaguar. The, the other cool thing too is we had a, a board artist Chase Conley who just came back with that whole inside the head idea where she's laying in the water and the smoke and you're inside the mind. So it's like such a cool collaborative effort where. Sometimes the board artist will bring you ideas you hadn't even thought of. See, that moment to me felt very much like a Naruto kind of uh, with a nine-tailed fox and, and kind of, I love that though. I love that kind of, if it was a nod or not, I just love the idea of that internalizing that conflict and trying to figure out what's going on. I'm, I'm sure it was a Naruto nod <laughs> from Chase. Chase is a, is a huge anime fan. Either way, well done. Um, you, since you mentioned stages kind of of the, the, the Jaguar transformations, I think of things, you know, especially from anime, when you start power leveling up, how do you keep raising the stakes so that Kipo doesn't just, you know, snap her fingers, turn into Mega Jaguar, take everybody out. And then since she can now presumably control how she comes back, thanks to her anchor, how do you keep raising the stakes so that it's difficult for our group to always come out on top? I guess you'll have to wait and see. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I think if you just look at, even looking at season two, um, she's only just begun to understand. She's, you know, she, uh, uh, this, this, uh, uh, hundred foot tall creature within her. Um, and, uh, that, you know, that, that's going to be the very, you know, we see this as the tip of the iceberg. Um, and we, we hope to get to continue her story. Um, and, uh, that, that, you know, but if you just look at that, like, you know, it's only the first time she's done this, this massive thing and there's a lot more to explore. And, um, you know, we hope to get to challenge Kipo, uh, with some real life, you know, uh, issues, uh, you know, really grounded issues. And that gets complicated by the fact that, that, you know, when you get angry or disappointed, um, you know, you don't just have, <laughs> 
uh, you're not just a 13 year old girl, you're a 13 year old girl who could, you know, turn a hundred foot feet tall <laughs> and, and wipe out a city. <laughs> Uh, before I run out of time with you guys, real quick, uh, last time I mentioned how much I enjoyed uh, Dan Stevens' performance in this, and it honestly surprised me as Scarlemagne. To me, he goes above and beyond in season two, but what can you maybe tease quickly about where we leave off with Scarlemagne at the end of season two and what that might inform for his character's arc in season three? Um, I mean, I'll talk a little bit about just working with him in season two and so, like, we were really surprised and, and amazed when he did his own. Uh, younger version mm. like it was incredible because a lot of times when we do that you have to get a child actor right you can't actually go with the same actor but he managed to bring this kind of youthful sweetness to his voice where you're like you, you almost believe that was the kid version of him and then i mean as we like the title says brought some sympathy for him yeah but it just wasn't easy. I mean, it's not like you're going to make a star blank and fix everything. <laughs> so we wanted to make it like that would be a difficult task to try to turn him. Definitely. I, again, I just I love the character in there. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in season three. So my last question for you guys is what can you tease for our listeners out there about a potential season three coming up? I, I have no comment. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we hope to get to... Uh, continue the story and and take it in in a new direction that 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 comes from you know uh, the uh, both victory and also disappointment that Kiko uh, experienced at the end of season two. Fair enough. That's a fantastic answer. So we will leave it there. I uh, just want to say thank you too so much again for your time today and for Kipo the story so far and hopefully more to come. Thanks again. Well, thank you.